Hey, good morning, everybody. Are you enjoying worship this morning? So I have to tell you something funny. This is a housekeeping detail. But um, I print out my messages in manuscript every single week. And so this morning I printed mine out, and unfortunately I didn't look at it. And every other page is upside down. So this is going to be a memorable message. Okay, we're in a series of messages entitled Five Things That God Does to Grow Your Faith, right? I'm pretty sure that every single person that has a relationship of any meaning with Jesus Christ wants to deepen that relationship, right? The really question, the big question is though, how does that actually happen? And we're talking about five things that God wants you to experience or builds into your life that you can actually see your faith grow. And the first week we looked at the importance of practical teaching. Somewhere along the way you have to get under some practical teaching, whether that's through a particular pastor like here, or whether it's a particular Bible teacher, preacher, um, that you listen to their podcast or whatever. But if you listen to people's faith stories, what you'll constantly hear is something like this. Man, my faith really took off when I went to this Bible study and began to understand what the Bible actually says and apply it to my life. So everybody has to get somewhere along the way, into practical Bible teaching. The second is providential relationships. God is forever bringing people in and out of your life through providential relationships. Last week I talked about um, David and Jonathan. And that critical relationship between the two of them and how God used that relationship. Listen to me. You are a Jonathan to a David. Whether you realize it or not. And you are a David, and there's a Jonathan who is coming along or has come alongside of you. We rub up against one another. And iron sharpens iron, and we're made better because of the relationships that we have. This morning I want to talk to you on the practical subject of private disciplines. Now how many of you love the word discipline? Right? Okay, that's what I figured. But discipline is actually a positive word, not a negative word, in the Bible. If you are going to grow in your faith, God wants to develop some private disciplines inside of you. So I have a working definition of what discipline is. It is making yourself do what you should do, when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not, for a greater purpose. It's making yourself do what you know you should do, when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. See, that all feels negative right there. But the positive is, for a greater purpose. Okay, a couple examples. You go to the gym when you don't feel like it, so you can enjoy a greater measure of physical health. Sometimes you feel like going to the gym, sometimes you don't feel like going to the gym. Sometimes you feel like going for a walk, sometimes you have to tell yourself, nope, you've got to go for a walk to get your 10,000 steps in. But you 
make yourself do something because there's a greater payoff. You turn off the TV when you don't feel like it so that you can go to bed on time and get some rest. You push away from the dinner table when you don't feel like it so you can maintain a healthy body weight. All of these things are things we know to do or stop doing. And here's the key phrase, regardless of our feelings, because of a greater purpose. That is discipline boiled down to a nutshell. For a greater purpose. So, 1 Timothy 4.7 says, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. Private disciplines, then, are personal habits that God wants to build into your life in order to increase your faith. That's what personal disciplines are. Simply personal habits or holy habits that God wants to build into your life so that you can actually experience greater freedom. So, craziest thing. I have this friend that keeps going in and out of prison. I do. We're friends. He has a particular issue. And he's forever going in and out of prison. Whenever he's in prison, he flourishes spiritually. Whenever he's out of prison, he falls off the wagon. After the second or third time, he began to realize that the reason why he flourishes spiritually, he's on fire for the Lord, he's reading his Bible every day, he's going to church every day, he, he and the chaplain at the prison are like this, and the reason why he, he's tight spiritually is because he's in prison. Because when he's in prison, he doesn't have access to the things that make him fall off the wagon. He's limited in his freedom. And here's what he's found. He's found that he has greater freedom in prison, as crazy as that sounds, than he does when he's free. Now listen very carefully. The Bible says you're a slave to someone. You're either a slave to sin, slave to yourself, or you're a slave to Christ. And the whole purpose of developing godly disciplines, private disciplines, is for you to become free. By putting yourself in a box. Does that make sense to you? Purposely saying no to yourself. Purposely doing things that you know you have to do, you should do. And if you could get tight in your discipline, what ends up happening is you find that you have a greater measure of freedom. So if you look back on your own faith story, if you look back on somebody else's, you hear somebody else's faith faith story, you'll hear things like this. When I started going to church regularly, my faith really took off. Or, when I started to study the Bible on a regular basis and really began to dig into God's Word and apply it to my life, my faith began to soar. Or, when I made fasting a meal a week a part of my regular routine, God really used that to expand my faith. Or, when I started to take a spiritual retreat once a year, that really helped me to grow in my faith. So here's my question to you. What are some things that you're doing habit-wise, habitually, that God is using in your own life to grow your faith. This morning I want to talk about two, so turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We'll we'll be looking at the first several verses. But there's actually, this section is um, a section of three, but we're only going to look at the first two. So would you stand please? We're going to read God's Word together. Matthew chapter 6. 
I'll read verses 1 through 6 and then make a short little statement about verses 16 through 18. Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, He says these words. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds. Some of you have in your Bible acts of righteousness. Let me just... Private disciplines. Good deeds, acts of righteousness, private disciplines. They're all the same. Do not do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, do not let your right hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues when everyone can see them, where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward that they will ever get. But when you pray, go by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, just scoot down to verse 16. This is Jesus' teaching on fasting. And... Jesus says a lot of things about fasting, but look at verse 18. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. In other words, Jesus is teaching on three private disciplines, each ending with the phrase, your Father who sees everything will reward you. What are these three disciplines about? Money, time, and pleasure. The antidote to letting money, time, and pleasure go awry in your life is creating spiritual disciplines of generosity, giving, spending time with the Father, and learning to say no to certain pleasures. But because of time this morning, I'm only going to look at the first two. So let's bow our heads together. Holy Spirit, over these next few moments, would you speak truth? And would you do it in such a way that we'll be able to take home in a practical way what it means to develop private disciplines? And we do this not to earn your favor because the things that we do will never make you love us more. We do it because we want to get closer to you. So help us, Lord, these next few moments. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks. You may be seated. So, let me take a look at the first two. Money and time. Your faith will grow when you develop the private discipline or the private habit of giving and generosity. What's it say? When you give to someone in need, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So the context of these verses is, is the temple. And here's really what's going on. Jesus is envisioning people who are walking up the steps to go to the temple, and when they're in the temple, they give their tithe. Now, a tithe is 10% of your gross income. So on the one hand, Jesus is making a reference to giving and generosity and saying the way that you're going to flourish and grow in your faith is by taking your money 
and tithing it, giving a tenth of your income. Now, here's what, this is not a tithing message, so everybody relax. But I just want you to know, Holly and I tithe. We give 10% of our income to the church. We also give to the building fund. We also give to the missionary work. We call that faith promise in our church. And we also support a child through Kenya's kids. The tithe is kind of like what's expected, and then giving above the tithe is really the extra amount that just kind of comes from your heart. I'm not in any way suggesting that tithe doesn't come from your heart. I'm just saying that there's two things that Jesus is talking about. So the first is, he's talking about giving and generosity, which really strangleholds money in people's eyes. The second is, though, he has this idea that when you're walking up to the temple, what ends up happening is, back in Jesus' day, there was all kinds of people that were laying around in the temple area hoping that you would give them some money. Who were there? There were people who were um, crippled people. There were people that um, were older people and their relatives have died and they didn't have anybody to help them out. There were single moms whose husbands had died that had children and they were basically reduced to begging. And so what they were hoping is, is that when you were going up to the temple area and you were going to give your tithe as you worship the Lord, they were hoping that you would give them alms, almsgiving. And that you would give them something so that they'd be able to take it home and get something to eat. And that's really what Jesus is talking about here. The idea of generosity. Doing beyond the bare minimum. So let me just ask you. Are you a generous person? Have you got the vision that the tithe is the foundation But the real joy of living life is actually in generosity beyond the time. So, what are some practical ways that you can give the time? Manna on Main Street. You know, our church and our missions budget, we we just give a monthly donation to Manna on Main. The Benevolence Fund at Emmanuel. I was in a benevolence meeting on Monday and the team leader shared that we averaged somewhere about $1,000 a month in giving to the Benevolence Fund, but we're averaging somewhere around thirteen dollars or $1,400 a month in expending the Benevolence Fund. Now, you know what the Benevolence Fund is, right? It's people within our own church family that may be going through a job change, um, single parents that may be um, underemployed, transitional times. And so we have this kind of a a rigorous um, but compassionate process to help people. But have you ever considered giving to the Benevolence Fund? Supporting missionaries around the world through Emmanuel. You know, we're part of a denomination called the Church of the Nazarene. We have about 638 missionaries worldwide in about 157 world areas. And so, collectively, churches come together. We have what we call a faith promise budget, and we just support 638 missionaries in 157 world areas. 
That's just, it's beyond the tithe. Now you're into living a generous lifestyle. Alabaster offering, we just talked about that. Jonathan did a few moments ago. Uh, Kenya's kids, I mentioned that. Crisis care kits, look out in the lobby and you'll see several crisis care kits that are laying on a, on a table out there. What I'm trying to say is, Jesus is saying to you that one of the private disciplines that he wants you to develop in your life is the discipline of giving and generosity. And what you find is, is that the more you end up giving, not in some crazy way irresponsible, but the more you end up giving in a generous lifestyle because of the generosity that God has given to you, actually, Jesus says a couple things. One is, you'll always give back more than what you gave. Now, I'm not talking about a you gave $100 and somehow you got $150 back. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something inside of you begins to change and your joy level begins to go up. The happiest people I know are the most generous people. The second thing that Jesus says is this. God will reward you. Can you imagine if you see all these people who are begging out in the temple area and you're walking up the steps and you pass by somebody and you look over at them, and you say real loud, would you like me to help you today? And then everybody stops and looks around. Oh, and then you pull out and you begin, one dollar, two dollars, three dollars. You're looking around to make sure everybody's looking. No. The kind of reward that Jesus gives you is not from people. It's from the inward applause of heaven. It's just God saying, she gets it. He gets it. And there's this inward sense of satisfaction. Number two, your faith will grow when you develop the private discipline or habit of spending time alone with God in prayer. Verse six, so when you pray... Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in heaven. Now, some people call this personal devotions. It doesn't really matter what you call it, but it's just taking time alone with your Heavenly Father. Why is that so critical? Well, look back on the whole money thing. Money has a stranglehold on a lot of people. And the way that you break that stranglehold the control that money has on you, the way that you break that is through giving away. Most everybody in this room and most of America are busy, 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 busy people. Time has become the new money and what we care about most is what we do with our time. And so what Jesus is saying is the way that you get out of the blizzard the way that you actually get out of and stop and reflect in your life is to waste time spending with the Father. Through prayer, through Scripture reading, listening, reflecting. And when you do this, when you intentionally put a pause button on your life, and say, I'm going to carve out these next 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is, on a regular basis, if you will develop this personal discipline, you'll see life differently. You'll be out of the blizzard enough to see 
that all the stuff that we run around and do isn't necessarily the same as being productive. It's just more. Now Jesus says that God will reward you for doing this. What possible rewards could God give you for constantly spending time with Him? I think there are several. Let me just mention a couple. Specific words from the Lord to encourage you. That happened to me this week. It doesn't always happen. I can go weeks spending time with the Lord every single day and not really get like a specific word. But this week I got one. I was journaling and I was telling the Lord about a specific problem that I was facing. Then I opened up my daily bread devotional for that day. Boom! It was exactly my prayer. And I went, wow, I just think I got a word from the Lord. How else does God reward you? With His presence, His peace, and His comfort. Here's a big one that all of us need more of. God rewards us by spending time with Him, by giving us more focus. The ability to arrange our day more effectively. So most of you may know the name of Martin Luther. He was the father of the Protestant Reformation. He never started off thinking he would be a reformer. But um, it took off. And Martin Luther was in high demand as a speaker. And he was translating the Bible into German. And all sorts of unbelievable things were happening in Luther's life. So Luther had this phrase that he kept going back to. I have so much to do today, I have to spend two hours with the Lord. You know why he said that? Because the longer Luther spent with the Lord, the more the Lord reordered his priorities. And Luther was able to say, no, I'm not speaking there. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not writing that correspondence. I will say yes to this and this and this and this. And his life soared with productivity just by spending time with the Lord. I think if I was to take a microphone and go around and interview most of you, most of you would say, if I could just have an, a 25-hour day, if I could just have one more hour in my day, I'd be able to make it. You know what Jesus says? If you were to take a little bit more time with me, I could give you an extra hour. By telling you what you really don't need to do and telling you what you really do need to do so that the things that really matter to you in your life, the big priorities, they would happen. So that's really sort of the end of the message. Okay, we're talking about private disciplines. I've mentioned two private disciplines. I have two more thoughts about developing private disciplines. Because I can guarantee you, 
most of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, it'd be nice to spend more time with the Lord. I just don't know how I can squeeze it in my day. Or it'd be nice to be more generous. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how to do that. I get it. It's not lack of want to. It's lack of how to. What do you have to do? So, let me ask you the question. What keeps you from developing private disciplines that would change your life and grow your faith? This is what keeps you from developing that. Every, nobody in this room, I'm sure, nobody in this room is pushing back in their mind thinking, no, I don't, I don't think that being more generous is a, is a good idea. I, I'd like to be less generous. I'll be happier when I'm less generous. I don't think anybody in this room is thinking, no, I, I would like to spend less time with the Lord, not more. But the real question is, what keeps you back from developing some real godly disciplines in your life that would grow your faith and make a world of difference in your everyday life? Let me give you a couple. There, there's many, but let me just give you three that came to mind this week during my own preparation time. I think some people have the attitude that I have to feel it before I do it, otherwise I'm not being authentic. A lot of people confuse feelings with authenticity. Some people may think, well, I don't want to have my devotions every day out of obligation. I want, to, I want to want to have my devotions. And if I don't want to want to have my devotions, then I'm just a hypocrite by having my devotions because my mind's someplace else and I really don't want to be there. And I, I love the Lord so much that I only want to spend time with the Lord when I want to spend time with the Lord. And if I don't want to spend time with the Lord, I'm being a hypocrite if I'm sitting there in my chair and I'm spending time with the Lord. Hey, good motive, not so great on the practical side. I have my devotions pretty much every day. I say pretty much every day because every once in a while my day goes wonky and I'm sitting in the office going, I'm a minister for crying out loud. I should be having my devotions. Okay, I'm just telling you, you know, six out of seven, five out of seven, I'm, I'm pretty decent most of the time, okay? But to be honest with you, some days I'd rather stay in bed. But I don't. Some days I have a hard time concentrating. But I still have them. Some days I sense God's presence. Many days I do not sense God's presence. But I continue to spend time alone with the Lord every day. Because God is building something deeper and more profound in me than my feelings on any given day. Here's what I've discovered. It's better to spend ten minutes with the Lord five or six times a week than it is to spend an hour with the Lord twice and then not for the rest of the month. Most of us are suffering from a lack of consistency. So it's, it's just better to be consistent and get your feelings to conform to the consistency rather than waiting for your feelings first. We make a habit what we value. Second thought of why people don't develop private disciplines, I'm going to do it right or I'm not going to do it at all. That kind of thinking. This is really about perfectionism. When you do something new, it always feels awkward and you're always going to fall short a lot. 
We all want to feel successful. We all want to feel like we're doing it the right way. We all don't want to feel awkward. Most of us sit and have our devotions, and while we're having our devotions the whole time, there's a running commentary. Am I doing this right? What should I be feeling? What should I be thinking? And our minds are all over the place. And the only way that I know to get our minds focused is habit. Because God wants you to get to the place where you do something instinctual. You're being generous without even thinking about it anymore. You're spending time with the Lord because it's just what you do. And that has nothing to do with not being authentic. That has everything to do with what I put to habit, I value the most. So, some of you are unable to tithe 10% of your income. Okay. Start with one. Start with 1%. Fine. Nobody has a standard. And then after six months, go to 2%. And after six months, go to 3%. Because it's better to do 1% over a year than it is to do 10% for a week. And then say, well, I couldn't do it right, so I'm not doing it all. No. 1%. 2%. And just work your way up. Some of you really struggle with spending time alone with God. You don't have a lot of time. But since it's God we're talking about, it feels like you should give God your, your best in time. So here's what happens. You make a commitment. You may walk out of here today and you may say, you know what, I'm going to spend a half an hour a day with the Lord. I know it, and you're going to be good for a week or two, and then life is going to hit you hard, and your schedule will go wonky, and you won't spend a half an hour with the Lord. And then you feel guilty about it, and so you'd rather do it right than not do it at all, so you don't want to be hypocrite. Why don't you start with five minutes a day? After six months, go to ten minutes a day. Do you see what I'm saying? The power of consistency. The power of habit. The third reason why I think people don't incorporate spiritual private disciplines in their life are past false starts. Many of you have tried to tithe or be generous to give, and, and it's failed, and you're like, I don't, I don't want to be a failure, so I'm not even going to try anymore. It's okay. Begin again. Just begin again. I could do an entire series on all the things that I've tried and failed at through the years. I could spend the next four weeks speaking for 45 minutes in each service, talking to you about all the times I've restarted my devotions through the different seasons of my life. The dry times that I've gone through. The times that I had to work myself up to get out of bed to have my devotions. Just begin again. Because your relationship with the Lord is not a microwave, it's a crock pot. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Nobody, you, don't, you don't need to impress anybody. You're not going anywhere, unless the Lord takes you home. You're not going anywhere. You've got the rest of your life to work up to 15 minutes a day in your devotions. Okay? One last thought. 
How do you actually develop private disciplines in your life? How, How do you actually do it? A couple thoughts. One is you ask the Holy Spirit for help. That's it. You have not because you ask not. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, keep on asking, you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find what you're looking for. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. Just ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Lord, help me to have more discipline to whatever it is. We're only talking about two today. We're talking about giving and generosity, and we're talking about spending time with the Lord. But you realize there are dozens of disciplines that God wants to build into your life. So ask the Holy Spirit. Begin with a prayer. Lord, Make me more disciplined so that I can whatever. Two, start small, build on success. Practice being disciplined in small areas of your life. Make one small change. Then once that change is cemented into your lifestyle, make another small change. Man, I I remembered a statistic that I had forgotten. You You ever do that? Years ago, I read an article about the um, space shuttles. And the space shuttles, as they travel to their destination, are only on course 2% of the time. The other 98% of the time, they're they're, they're throwing their thrusters to get them back on course. So we have this trajectory in our mind that all these great scientists and astrophysicists, they've got this trajectory of where the space shuttle is going and they're going to hit their destination. In reality, the space shuttle is always like this. until they hit their destination. That, my friends, is our life. It is never about finding balance. There is no such thing as a balanced life. It's always about course correction. Because you want to hover in a range. You don't want to get too far over this way. You don't want to get too far over that way. But if you can hover in the range. How do you do that? You do it by making small incremental changes, cementing them into your life, and then making another small incremental change. Three, practice, practice, practice. Study was done. How do, how do experts become experts? Piano players, violinists. You know, any, anyway, how does somebody become an expert? There's a magic number, 10,000 hours. If you will practice something 10,000 hours, by definition, you will become an expert and better than pretty much anybody else on the planet. It's a numbers game. I promise you, your faith will grow if you will have your devotions five minutes a day over the course of 365 days, more than if you have your devotions five times in a year for an hour at a time. Practice, practice, practice. Lastly, Everybody take a breath. Relax. God develops you over a lifetime. Relax. This is spiritual disciplines, private disciplines are not about God liking and loving you more. That can't happen because God's crazy about you. Spiritual disciplines are not about you checking off the list saying, well, I tithe and I'm beyond tithe and I'm generous and, and okay, and I read my Bible X amount of times a week and so much time throughout the course of the day. God must really be pleased with me. Nope. Spiritual disciplines are never about God being more pleased with you. This is not about earning your salvation. 
It's not about getting brownie points with God. This is about you doing your part with God's help and empowerment through His Spirit to grow your faith. So Holly and I text each other a lot throughout the course of the day. This morning, she texts me an article, actually it's a little video, about a couple that's been married 78 years. And it's an interview with this couple. It's hilarious. And then she puts at the bottom, that's you and me in a few more years. I don't know. They're married 78 years. We've only been married 34. We're not even halfway there. But we're practicing. And we love each other. And we're going to get better at this marriage thing 10 years from now than where we're at now. 20 years from now, we'll get better at it than what we are now. Because it's practice, 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 practice. Relax. It's a marathon. Okay, so... How are you supposed to end a message like this? Um, Here's my thought. I have 400 quarters sitting up on the altar. And I want to give everybody a quarter today. You can only take one because we have a second service. But here's why I want to give you a quarter. Because it's better than a penny, a nickel, or a dime. It's a quarter. Somebody said today in staff meeting that when they were small, they liked quarters so much, somebody offered them a dollar and said, no, can I have a quarter instead? Math is a little off. So I want you to take this quarter, and I want you to find a way to give it away this week. Just a couple of thoughts. One is, if you shop at Aldi's, this will get you a shopping cart. Right? So here's what you do this week. When you go shopping at Aldi's, you stick in the quarter and you give a cart away to somebody. Now, I got it covered. Okay? You can actually buy small pieces of candy with a quarter. This could be seed money toward a card that you might want to purchase to send somebody a note that just says, hey, thinking about you. Whatever it is, take this quarter and put it down as part of the seed money to just be generous with somebody this week. Does that make sense to you? I don't want the quarter back. Just take the quarter and give it away. And then say to yourself, how do I feel once I've done something to give it away. Would you stand please? Our Father, You are building something deep and profound inside of us. And sometimes we forget that in this blur called life. But today, we say yes and amen to Jesus' words that talk about how you can counter time, money, and pleasure. 
and actually experience more freedom. So God, help us this week to be generous. Help us this week to make spending time with You a priority. And whatever else You want to build in our life, we'll take the marathon approach and say, relax, I'll follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So God, bless us as we go out this week and try to live out as best we know how a disciplined life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, come on up, get your quarters, and then you'll be dismissed.